As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is CSN's Wizards Tip-Off. Here's your host, Chase Hughes. What's going on, Wizards fans? Welcome to another edition of the Wizards Tip-Off podcast. I'm Chase Hughes of CSNMidAtlantic.com, joined in studio by Chris Miller, our CSN Wizards reporter. And on today's episode, we want to get to a bunch of different subjects. The Summer League, how the Wizards fared, our takeaways from that. Also, some other things around the Summer League, some standouts that we saw. I want to talk about LeBron and and the latest with him and his future in Cleveland. But first, we have to start with what is some breaking news. Uh, Here we are in the middle of July. Basically, the offseason is here. The dog days of summer are upon us, but we have some interesting news, and it's jersey-related. Today, Darren Ravel of ESPN uh, reported that Nike, well, we knew Nike was going to have the new jerseys, but we have some specifics about them. Uh, There's kind of some minor changes to the look of the jersey. The armholes are bigger. I don't think anyone cares about that. They kind of are are, uh, modeled after the jerseys that Nike had in the 2016 Olympics by Team USA. But the biggest change by far is that teams will not have to stick to their traditional white home jersey. They can now choose another color as their default home uniform. Chris, what's your reaction to that? Because I think there's going to have to be some teams that decide to make the switch, right? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Wizards' playoff white uniforms. The first time I saw them, I was like, oh. Stars and stripes. Oh my gosh, can they have that forever as like their home jersey? And I wasn't the only one. I mean, a lot of the players were like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. Um, so for me, if the Wizards could use like that white jersey as their prominent home jersey with Washington on it or Wizards, whatever, I'm a big fan of that. But I'm looking at uh, right now, one of the teams that changed uh, their uniforms and it's Sacramento and how ironic, our boy Garrett Temple is on there modeling. You got a future temp and modeling. Just <laughs> keep that in mind when it's all said Guest and done. of this show, of course. Absolutely. Um, some notes that came from the league meetings last week in Las Vegas, and it kind of coincides with what you and I are talking about in terms of jerseys, is Minnesota, Detroit, Portland, Cleveland, Indiana, and San Antonio will have some kind of adjustment to their jersey in terms of color. And as you said before, the jersey's now a little taller and they're thinner. So they do look different. There's like a there's a discernible difference when you look at 
especially like Sacramento's jersey. And one thing that you'll notice on Sacramento's jersey, I'm looking at it now, Chase, is there's a sponsorship now. It's it's small, that's a big change too. But you can see it. It says Blue Diamond Almonds. Is right. Their, I think their corporate sponsor. And people and are gonna have to get used to that. We knew that was the future. The future's here. You've been saying that too. Like you know, it's soccer. We've been we've seen that for years. Where soccer. WNBA. Right. So there are going to be ten teams this year that will have uh, a sponsorship on their jersey. Now we're not sure yet if the Wizards are one of those ten. But I can tell you now by looking at Sacramento's, they're one of those ten that has a uh, Boston Celtics. I know will have yeah. a sponsorship. Um, so yeah, things things are going to look a little bit different next year. Now you mentioned the Stars and Stripes uniform. That's what they, of course, had for all their home games in the playoffs. That's not a different color, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they roll with that for next season because it's certainly popular among the fans. I know the players like it. Although I did think it was interesting when they made that announcement. I remember I asked John Wall at a practice, like. Hey, you know, was this your guy's idea? And he said, no. He's like, we found out when you guys did. So I don't expect the players to have a whole lot of input in that regard. My favorite jersey of theirs, and I've put this out on Twitter before, and um, DC Sports blog Dan Steinberg's made fun of me for saying it, but I like their blue jerseys, their dark midnight blue jerseys. Now, I don't think we're going to see more of those because Ted Leonsis makes the decision. I know he loves red. He said it before red's his favorite color. So I, I wonder if it will at least cross his mind to go red at home because look at the caps and rock the red and how successful that marketing campaign has been. Ted loves red and you know, it's ultimately his decision. So, but he also loves green. So let's not keep it twisted. Whatever, (laughs) whatever color or the uniform works in terms of bringing some dollars and revenue in. What was Beals? (laughs) What was Beals? Uh, uh, and we actually want to play, um, (laughs) Beals interview with you from Vegas in this episode, but what was Beals line to you about Celtic screen? He said, he hates green as it pertains to Boston, but not the green that you put in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair. I think uh, everyone would agree with that one. So some other interesting details about the jerseys. Um, part of them are they're going to be partly made out of recycled plastic bottles uh, going green. Speaking of green, mm-hmm. uh, the jersey will supposedly dry 15% faster than it does on the current jersey. Um, and I'm sure Jerry Walters and my man Rob Sellers uh, really appreciate that. Those are the guys on the Wizards uh, support yeah, staff. So yeah, that's right. Shout out to them on this podcast. <laughs> right, right. And I feel like uh, you know some players like uh, Dwight Howard and Marching Gortop might like the extra arm you know yeah. space because those guys yeah, got so some big flex. arms. Right. I, I wouldn't need if I was in these jerseys. I wouldn't <laughs> right. need much. Although space. I will say this, <laughs> another guy that's going to be flexing and going to really surprise a lot of people when they see him is John. That's Wall. right. You were telling John us John has been in the weight room. And, you know, he's starting to get himself, you know, the gun show is looking pretty impressive <laughs> for uh, J-Dub. So, yeah, these guys have been working in the offseason. And I think these new uniforms will really show off. I like the the slimmer kind of fit to it. And it's like the only thing that I don't like about some of those jerseys is the ones that actually had the sleeves on them. How many times did we see, like, LeBron and other guys just kind of rip them, like, the first year that they had them? Right. Just couldn't stand it because it had it, it alters the way you want to shoot. So I was never a fan of the sleeves, but I do like these new Nike jerseys that are coming out. Speaking of jerseys, I wonder if the Wizards will have uh, some interesting throwback jerseys this season. I know they did uh, the throwback night this past year, um, and they always seem to wear the same kind of old Bullets jerseys that were the sleeves. But, you know, we're coming up on the anniversary of their title in 1978. So I a question for you. What's that? No, I was not alive. No, no, no. You're a diehard Wizards fan. 
Do you think they will ever go back to the bullets? No. But I wonder, and I don't think it's going to happen. And speaking of Steinberg, I hate to mention him again. He, he was one of the first people to put this out there. They got the G League team coming. If I had to bet, and I'm not saying how I know this or if I know anything, I bet it would be the monuments, the Washington monuments. Uh, you know, monumental is kind of a, a word Ted uh, Leonsis likes to throw around, and obviously it's his team. I wonder, I actually would like to know from him uh, what the timeline is like for that branding. I'm really interested in it. You know, you're creating a new team. He just did this with the, the Washington Valor, obviously their AFL team, the Baltimore Brigade. Um, what if it's the Bullets? You know, Steinberg made the point that you'd already have a built-in fan base. Generations would be like, all right, I'm buying a G League jersey. When Otherwise, how many people are going to buy a okay, G League jersey? But here's the only problem with that, just looking at it from like a business standpoint. The last thing you would want is for your G League merch to sell more than your NBA <laughs> merch. You know what right, I mean? Right, you'd be like, right. wow, the bullet stuff is really flying off the shelves. Right, right, <laughs> And right. it's a G League team. But that would be cool if they could bring it back in that regard. I don't think it would ever change back, you know. Um, of course, the reason why it changed was, you know, it was A. Poland's wish. Obviously, he owned the team. And he did it, I think, as a favor for the former prime minister of Israel. So it meant it, there was some sentimental value there to yeah. why he changed it. And, of course, Ted knew A. Poland, uh very well. So I, I would be surprised if it changed. But I guarantee a lot of people wouldn't complain in terms of I just fans. know that there's always a groundswell, not only just what I hear um, at the arena and just being around, you know, diehard, diehard fans want the name back. Um, you see it on social media often. Um, I, I would be it was a great name. I mean, I understand the, yeah. uh, the, the violence and the connotations there. Uh, but it, it was a great name, a great logo, classic. Obviously, they had all their success when they had those jerseys and, and that logo. So. Right. Uh, it'd be interesting. You know, I, I love when teams, speaking of jerseys, go back to their old colors, um, and it feels new, and it, it, there's just something about it that feels so great. Like you mentioned Cleveland, the Cleveland Cavaliers changing their colors. You know, um, when I was growing up, their colors were kind of like, what, blue and black, and there was some red in there when they it needed was like to Terrell Brandon the wine, and Ben when Baker. They, when they were the wine and gold, when they had that wine and gold, um, when Austin Carr and those guys played, um, I could always remember, you know, Austin's on the game broadcast, and I would always tell him, man, when I would see uh, clips of you playing back in the day, I loved those jerseys. And then the Cavs, to their credit, uh, they have so many jerseys, it's ridiculous. I mean, they have so many alts, too. But when they brought out the orange jerseys a couple of years ago, um, my youngest son is a diehard Cavs fan. He was born in Cleveland, so... I was uh I was in Cleveland and I got him uh the jersey and, and the shorts and he rocks those shorts when he's like playing out and guys are like, Whoa, what are those? And he's like, Those are the alternative Cavs orange jerseys and people are like, Man, those are cool. So I, I'm with you. When they when they go back to when jerseys were like, you know, those old school uni unis. It's nostalgia. It kind of harkens back to like, you know, when we were kids, like, oh, I remember when this guy played and that guy played. So I'm a fan of that, you know. But the, I will say this again with those Wizards white playoff jerseys, I was such a fan of it and really enjoyed like how they looked that I wouldn't be surprised, man. Just leave it like that because the players were down with it too. Right. Um, one jersey I would say that I, I kind of wish they went back to their. What were the modern colors is the Sixers, just because it reminds me of Allen Iverson, yeah, the, the yeah. black and gold and red. Speaking of Cleveland, I heard a stat yesterday that blew my mind, 
and maybe this isn't surprising to you because you, you spent time there. You know what the population of Cleveland is? Is a city? I would say under a million. Yeah, under 400,000. It's taken a major hit over the years, obviously, as the, the like economic factors have changed. It went from a city that I think was several million to now under 400,000, which just blew my mind. That was crazy. Well, but, that's the reason why... Uh, the gross national product that is LeBron James yeah. <laughs> when he came back right. infused so much into the city. And unless you live there, you really don't understand his impact. It was so much more than just putting a ball in the hoop. And it wasn't just Cleveland. It was really the entire Northeast Ohio region. When I mean, that banner, of, the, I don't know if it's still... Uh, uh, there's hey, a new one. There's a new one. It looks like the size of like a monument. Do you, you, but, but again, it's... He he means so much to that region because, man, they've been struggling for so many years, not only just sports-wise, but, you know, the economy. You talked about, like, the population, people leaving. Uh, it's a blue-collar town where, you know, they're ride or die. And he was from there. Right. And when you're like one of their own, it, man. It wasn't like he just came from, like, L.A. And you're like, oh, okay. But he was theirs. And I think when he came back, Winning the title is kind of like icing on, on, on the cake, but everything else that he brings to that region is the reason why, and I know you and I will talk about this in a little bit, if and when he does leave, I was gonna that say, population might go down further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, uh, this is basically the perfect segue, and it wasn't even intended. We want to talk about LeBron and his future in Cleveland, because as you were telling me before we started recording, He's starting to kind of throw some cryptic tweets out there. He's doing we, it again. We've yeah. seen some seeds that might have been planted. We've heard the reports that his family still hasn't forgiven Dan Gilbert for what he did when LeBron left that Comic Sans letter and the way he just really acted very immature about the whole situation. Whatever the high road was, he went the exact opposite of the high road. And then the tweets about Dan, uh, Dave Griffin talking about if anybody, if no one else you know, appreciated you, I did. Right. It's just like these little... Yeah. These little shots. And I remember the parade two summers ago when Dan Gilbert was talking and he was praising LeBron. And it just looked It just like felt weird, didn't it? It felt very uncomfortable. And I feel like LeBron must have just completely swallowed, didn't swallow his pride to go back. But I feel like he decided that the happiness of millions of people who live in Ohio and have never won a title was more important than um, you know, not having the happiness of this one well, guy, who I can't imagine he's completely forgiven. Well, if you look at the documentary that he did during um, All-Star Weekend last February in New Orleans, the, the highlight for me, because I had lived there and I covered him when he was in high school and you know the first three years he was in the league was, he said something that resonated with me. He said, it's um, progress over pride. And like when he said it, I had to like stop it and go back and listen to it. And basically what he meant by that was it'd be easy for him to hold a grudge and move on and stay in Miami and do all that. But there was always this part of him where I think he felt like I needed to I, I needed to not do, have a reset because you could never reset what he did with the decision and how it went down. But I have unfinished business. Closure. Closure, unfinished business. I think unfinished business first. I think if he does leave, it would be closure next year. 
Right. But unfinished business, go back, win a title, and then whatever happens, happens. But I, the fact that his wife and his mom and many of the people in his inner circle have not forgiven Dan Gilbert. Uh, he Those are the took, people he trusts. He took the high road, and many of them didn't want to come back. But he came back, he got the title, and I think if he leaves now, um, there's still going to be animus by a lot of people, but I, I think it would be a smoother transition out the door because people would understand that at least he came back and... He ended the drought, he won a title, yeah. he gave those fans what they'd waited for for so long. And again, Chase, if you look around... Um, Quicken Loans Arena, before he got there, after he left. In terms of businesses and stuff like that? Yeah. Chase, it was like a ghost town. It was like tumbleweed. It didn't matter what the (laughs) Indians did. You know, the Indians are right across the street. It just didn't matter. But as soon as he came back, wow, city was alive again. There's this big casino now that Dan Gilbert owns that's right across the street, which has infused a lot of uh, dollars into Cleveland. But Let's not let's not mince words here. I think one guy was responsible for the revitalization of that town. Yeah, LeBron James. And that gives us an opportunity, the, the fact that he might leave, to speculate a little bit. And this try is the to fun see, part of the show. Yeah, this is the fun <laughs> part of the show. Where would he fit if he leaves? And before we get into this and, and talk about teams and where he'd fit, I think that as long as Golden State is Golden State, that he'd be smart, and I think he is smart enough to know that his easiest path is probably in the East. I would be surprised. I know L.A. is there. There's two teams in L.A. He was in Trainwreck with Amy Schumer, uh, your favorite comedian, right? I'm just kidding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> After that Dave again. Chappelle tweet. I was so angry. That was a good night. movie, though. He was good <laughs> right. in that. Yeah, he was good, but um, I was so angry. After I, that I, don't know what, I don't know what type of CGI they did with his hairline, but right. he was pretty good in that. He yeah, was hilarious. He was funny. He's a pretty good actor. Um so I, I was impressed by that, and obviously there's a lot of opportunities in L.A., but if he wants to keep competing for championships, his smartest play is to stay in the Eastern Conference. Now, do you agree with that, first of all? I, I, I know from people who know people around him that you know L.A. is a destination because of his business interests as it pertains to entertainment. Uh, so for me, uh, look, if... You know the saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? Yeah. I think mama would be happy in Los Angeles. Uh, and, you know, we saw him in Vegas watching the Lakers. And he was <laughs> so you were reading into that, Oh, my you? gosh. Chase, you know me. I read into yeah. everything. I okay, see everything. I like it. I like it. I'm seeing, like, everything. I thinking, said we're going to huh. speculate, so let's speculate. Um, you know, to check out if this Lonzo Ball kid was for real. Turns out he was the MVP of the Summer League. By the way, LeBron, didn't he watch John Wall in college? I remember he, he did. I think he went and sat courtside and he watched did. John Wall in college. He did. Hey, wait a minute. Talk about speculating. Wait a minute. They do have the same agent. Yeah, that's right. That's so, right. Wow, we're really delving into this. <laughs> but you know, the question that I asked uh I asked Brian Mitchell last night after we did Sports Talk Live, selfless plug there, uh <laughs> after the show was we were talking about LeBron and I was like if Cleveland knew if it, let's say LeBron pulled a PG and was like, I'm out. I'm done. You, you could either get value for me or I just walk out the door. By the way, that would be a favor to Dan Gilbert. If he yeah. really wants to stick it to Dan Gilbert or just doesn't care about Dan Gilbert, he wouldn't tell him those plans. He'd wait. Okay, so now let's reverse it. Let's say Dan Gilbert feels like 
dude, we're going to lose this guy. Yeah. This the, seems familiar. I've been here before. This feels similar. Is yeah. this deja vu all right. over again? <laughs> Does he make the calls? So I was telling you before, too, the question that I would ask is, how many of the 29 teams would actually pick up a phone and call the Cavs and be like, we would like to offer you X, Y, and Z? It better be just about all of them. So then the question would, if you could literally look at every team and look at their roster and just be like, okay, what pieces do they have for a one-year rental of LeBron, would you give up? For that one year rental, ooh man! Now I'm with you. I and and B Mitch said it too. I think Golden State would be like the only team that'd be like, "We're good." Yeah, we beat them. We're good. Right. But those other 28, man, if they got LeBron, that would. It was already a little less fun, but that would be. Oh my god, I'd I'd watch. Of course you'd watch. I mean, it would basically be like... It's like the train like, wreck. Of course you're going to watch. It'd be, like, it'd be like UConn women. Like, I, right. I feel like they might, they might legitimately win 80 games. Like, and the only time they don't win is if they rest their stars or someone gets injured. That would be ridiculous. But I, I honestly think that if he has any control on where he goes, and I would imagine he would, mm-hmm. that you'd be looking at the Eastern Conference. And, um, you know, Miami, I guess, is an option. You know, of course, he, he's familiar with that, uh, with that team. They've got some pretty good players. Um, Boston obviously has plenty of people that they could trade and and some attractive assets for him to play with. Mm-hmm. I really think the Wizards would have a pretty good shot, to be honest. I'm not sure how many teams, especially if you think that he wants to stay in the East, how many teams would have a better um, destination and, and, a, and a better pitch than saying, hey, John Wall, Bradley Beal, if they have to give up Otto Porter, they might have to in a trade. But that's a pretty good duo to sell him on. What do you think? I think he's going out west. <laughs> you think he's going out west? I, I do. I just. So you think the Lakers, you know, maybe he teams up with Paul George in L.A. Yeah. And Lonzo Ball. And Lonzo Ball. Wow. And Brandon Ingram, unless Brandon he's traded. Ingram. Julius yeah. Randle. Hey, let me. That'd the, be pretty good. Lakers, I think he might have to wait a little while before they really can compete with Golden State. But I think though. the Lakers should be, the Lakers shouldn't do anything. This is, this season Sit back coming and up. Wait. Yeah. Chill. Right. Chill. You got Ingram, Randall, who looks phenomenal. Looks like he's really put the work in this summer. Ball, uh, Jordan Clarkson. Uh, they got Contavious Caldwell Pope for one year, but his money will come off. If you can bring two superstars in there, or maybe Clay Thompson, maybe something like that happens where they maybe it's Clay, and then you're adding. Because here's the and, thing with Golden, but here's the thing with Golden State, Chase. How long can this lo- run last? Because the luxury tax, the right, I think it can dollar, last one more year. Repeater Honestly. tax, all these things are going to start accumulating to the point where it's going to cost so much money to compete for a championship that at some point they're going to have to break that up. What about OKC? You think if he's going west, it's to L.A., and that's yeah, the big I mean, reason? Listen, if okay. you're going, if you're going What about west, the Clippers, then? Because they did hire Jerry West. They, I mean, they're going to get a new arena. Um, but they're selling... Well, I guess their selling point is DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. Yeah. My wife had a really good point this morning. Who She's totally not a sports fan, but that's kind of like... When I... You know, I'm, I throw these things out, and she just is kind of like, whatever, that's stupid. But I was like, what do you think about LeBron going to the Lakers? She was like... 
that would like totally devalue his legacy. She goes, why would he want to go there? And then you kind of explain like all the things that surround it. Right. But it was like an interesting take from a non-sports fan that would look at it and be like, well, why would he want to go play there? As a guy who's been compared to Magic Johnson by even Pat Riley himself, you know, there's, there's some symmetry there. there. You know, he's the next Magic Johnson. Would he be, okay, let's say he would play there next year and maybe a couple of years after that. Would he even be in the top three Lakers of all time? No. I don't think so. I mean, unless he goes there and, and starts a dynasty, but there's guys who... It, so there's no statue? No, there's no statue. Staples, I'm not sure. Right? I mean, if he wins a chip, then he's getting a jersey in the rafters. Right. But no, that would be interesting. I mean, that's, that's what's always interesting to me is like, and guys have their different priorities, but like Gordon Hayward staying with the Jazz, just for instance, or going to a team without as much history. Like, he is a legend if he stays in Utah. Like, he's probably got his jersey in the rafters. He... he when Stockton and Malone come back, he, he goes down as one of the yeah. he goes down as the best small forward they've ever had. In Boston, he's never going to even be he's going to be an afterthought in their history, no matter what he does. Essentially, even if he wins one title, I mean, he's never even going to touch Paul Pierce. And Won't even legacy. touch Paul. Yeah. I told you. He's a nothing in the in the context of Boston Celtics history. But you know, maybe that's not not what is important to him. He's going to go play for his old coach and obviously have a chance to win. And in the short term, it's going to be. Yeah. Great for him. Probably make some all-star teams, too, because all the small forwards left the East. Um, so let's move on to the Summer League. You know, you mentioned being out there, and I know the Wizards Summer League ended last week. Um, but what are some of your, ma- your main takeaways from the Wizards Summer League? Obviously, they didn't win a game. They went 0-5, they were which repre- doesn't mean anything. They were representative in a couple of games. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how I'm describing uh, it. And the funniest thing about that is I had people, I swear to God, people were tweeting me, uh, criticizing Chad Iskey's coaching job, saying <laughs> uh, they're not on, playing man. this guy enough, they're not playing that guy enough. So uh, I appreciate the passion, yes. but um, yes. it's not about the one-loss record. It's more about how specific guys did, how they were used, what they looked like compared to last year. And I've got some takeaways that I wrote in an article that I'd like to get your take on. Yeah. For one, um, Marcus Keene looked pretty good to me. I thought he's, his future isn't in Washington probably, but he might get a job. Devin Robinson shot horribly, but his athleticism is obvious. He got the two-way contract. Chris McCullough, very athletic, still probably pretty raw. And Ochefu and Mack really stood out to me as guys who maybe the numbers didn't reflect it, but they looked improved from last year. What do you think about those observations, and is there anything that I missed or that you think uh, stood out? I think from – and I'll start with uh, the, the best player on the team and his development, and I'll go down from there. I thought Mac was limited by the ankle. Uh, he rolled a couple of weeks before Summer League, so it really, you really didn't get to see him at his best. Uh, but he flashed. I think Even with the ankle, he looked like he was faster than yeah. everyone else on the team. He, he, he flashed. Uh, I think Chris McCullough is the most intriguing of all of them because I see the size, I see the versatility in his game. Uh, I'm a big fan of his game. Uh, a Shefu can really pass out of the post. I like that. Really about good him. passer. Yeah. Uh, what does this all mean? It means that they're going to be on the, at best, the back end of the Wizards bench. They're like 13, 14, 15. Right. Maybe McCullough. Do any of those guys crack the rotation in any sense of the word? Uh, if there's an injury, yeah. Yeah, more so than last year. If there's an injury, they might be more willing to promote a McCullough 
to the rotation than they were last season. Same with Oshefu, because yeah. they, they really rode Jason Smith when Mihinmi was gone. They did not turn to Oshefu, which I guess was understandable. Right. He was an undrafted rookie after all. I mean, all. Jason literally was playing on one leg the last couple of games at the playoffs with Boston. So, again, as, as we look at how this team looks going into training camp, because they're bringing the band back together, essentially, the pieces that they brought in off the bench will leapfrog those kids from Vegas by virtue of need and by virtue of skill set, right? So we know Tim Frazier is going to be the backup point guard. We know that um, Jody Meeks, Jody Meeks is shooting. going to be the backup shooting guard. So what does that mean for Mac? That means Mac is going to and be... And Sadoransky. And Sadoransky, which means they're going to be third string. It's by virtue of who they brought in and by virtue of the need. So the X factor to me is can can Mac do something from now until we get to training camp that can at least give Scott Brooks pause to say, oh, I might have a few minutes for him. Because think about when he got in. I think the first game that he started was against Chicago in Chicago. He had a right. really good game. Right after Beal got hurt against Boston. Yeah, he had a really good game. He had some moments during the season. He had some moments during the playoffs. But again, to get into Scott's rotation, you can't just have moments. You have to have some consistency. Right. And I, I think for those three guys that we talked about, the consistent part of their game is going to have to be now – what elevates them to get into the rotation. Because I think the starters are the starters. Right. Okay? And defense might be their key, right? Don't you think? I think for a chef who definitely. Yeah. And I think for McCullough, his versatility might be his yeah, strong suit. His potential defensively, you know, the athleticism is there, but it seems like he's much more of an offensive-minded guy. Corner three shooting type, you know. Right. Long Can catch athletic. lobs. Yeah. The Devin Robinson, Michael Young. Yeah, I was going to ask you about them. They um, are, you know, two way players where they could come up. I think forty five, forty five days. days. Uh, they're going to be worth following more than G League players have been or D League in the past, mm-hmm. uh, because we know that there's a chance we'll see them under these new two way deals. But um, how much do you think we see those guys? Again, I think of, the, of all five of them. The only one... Well, that, Robinson and Young, the two guys those that we know two, are the 16th and 17th guys on the roster. I don't think we see him. I think we see him in training camp. Um, I'm not so sure how the, the G League schedule starts in conjunction with the Wizards preseason. And since the preseason has been shortened to, I think, four games now, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see them. Again, barring some kind of catastrophic injury. Ne- neither guy had a good there. summer league. No. And Young then, it, or but, Robinson. But for Young... It was interesting. I was talking to one of his college teammates, uh, James Robinson, out, out in Vegas. And he goes, man, if you want to talk about somebody who literally put the work in to be at this position, it was Michael Young. He goes, I remember playing him in AAU. He played for the New Jersey Players. He goes, he couldn't even get off their bench. He went from being like that, his rising senior year, not being able to get off that AAU team's bench to being a really good player coming out of pit after uh, his senior year. So he put the work in, but it's still now he was playing some four. Like, I don't think he's going to play four in the NBA. I think he's a three, and they're trying to get him to to get his ball handling developed a little bit. And that's the beauty of the G League now, Chase, is 
these kids don't have to go back overseas now to work on their game in a beautiful way of getting all of this synergy with G League and the NBA is now when the Wizards finally get their team, they can have the coaches have the same philosophy as Scott. You're running the same sets. It's the sa- Everything is the same. Mm-hmm. Instead of going to the 87ers like some of the guys did last year where it's a completely different system, they're trying to learn new plays. When you have your own G League team in close proximity to your NBA team, it's invaluable for their development because they're getting the same kind of learning tree that the guys at the big club is getting. I'm fascinated by all of it. Um, I used to cover baseball, and of course those teams have like five, six, seven levels sometimes. Uh, you know, you can go all the way down to like the Gulf Coast League, and uh, you, can, you can just see how guys develop in the way that the big league club wants them to. They call it the Nationals way for the Nationals. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it starts when sometimes when they're 16, 17 years old out of the Dominican Republic or uh, 18 years old out of high school, 17 years old. So I think you'll start seeing that to a certain extent with the Wizards. I'm fascinated by um, the process that we'll see over the next year of them, you know, picking a coach, uh, picking, they'll probably be a GM, right? I mean, right. It, it won't be like, okay, they pick the players like Ernie Grunfeld does, but every minor league baseball team has a GM because they have to be in contact with the front office. Now, oftentimes they are just, you know, relaying messages and getting told what to do from the big league for front office, but... There's going to be a lot of jobs that I think people don't realize are going to be created by this, and it's all going to help the Wizards and their long-term future and, and the development of players. You know, when we talked to Ernie Grunfeld after the draft and we asked him about it, you know, he just went through like a quick list of all the things that will help develop from, um, you know, coaches to players to PR staff. You know, they'll have um, people learning the ropes in terms of PR. Um, so that, that'll all be really interesting. Looking at the Summer League as a whole, uh, you know, obviously the Lakers kind of stole the show uh, by the end of it. Who are some guys that stood out to you beyond the Wizards that maybe you saw in person or now that you're back in Vegas, you've watched? Dennis Smith. Yeah. Hello. Oh, man. Uh, he flashed. That guy can jump out of the it gym. It was funny because, like, <clears throat> when I was watching the ACC tournament early, and NC State was obviously bounced early, I just felt like he was disinterested. And to me, that was kind of like, not a red flag, but it was like something that I kept in mind during the draft. Of The last time I saw him, I felt like he wasn't really engaged. But then I'm also looking at how he played against Duke when he just blew up the spot in, in Durham, and he, he flashed and was clearly the best player on the floor that night. And then to see him out in the summer league, man, he was phenomenal. You know what I love about that game in Durham, right? Didn't he throw down a massive dunk right, right after the, the buzzer? Yeah, because yeah, just... they beat Duke, right? And then right. he threw down a huge dunk, just like threw it in their face. That was great. I saw 47-inch vertical in person, and it's pretty impressive from a guy 6'2", 6'3". Right. So he, he was very good. Uh, Lonzo Ball, just being in the arena, game one, that excitement, 17,000 people in there, was pretty amazing. Can Didn't I ask you something with... about yeah. Lonzo Ball? Yeah. He's thrown some passes that I've never seen before. Now, I don't know if it's going to work at the NBA level once he gets there. Some of these full-court length passes, uh, sometimes he'll be at half court and he'll just find a guy right at the rim. Um, But his vision seems like it's pretty rare, and he is at least trying to do things that I've never seen before from a passing perspective. Well, I know one one of the passes that I'm sure you're talking about is the one where he was three-quarter court. Well, that one was pretty cool. I had never seen that before. There you go. The one that I liked was a couple of games ago before he had the calf injury is he threw it 
and it, it was almost like a quarterback throwing it over that the had shoulder. Some touch. Yeah. So the guy literally was like looking under, looking over his head. The ball is right there. But there was a defender behind him, like literally jumping to go right and get it. He put just the perfect touch. It was like Richard touch. Sherman guarding Odell Beckham Jr. Perfect, perfect touch. Pass. Guy got it. Didn't even take a dribble. Two steps, went up for a layup. So his vision is. He's got stuff you can't teach. As they say with pitchers, he's got plus. You know, he's got a plus fastball. Plus. <laughs> yeah. He's got plus passing. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I mean, who knows? This this could all not work at the NBA level. But he was doing some things in the summer league that suggest that I think he could be, if not the best passer, one of the best passers in the NBA if you fast forward four or five years. And you can't speed him up. I mean, he's going to play at his pace. Right. I mean, he, he slows you down methodical, and then he has nice bursts. He's got good rhythm to it, yeah. good. Uh, Bradley Beal, if you're listening, you're right. I was wrong. I wasn't really wrong, but I wasn't ready to crown him. Jason Tatum is a bad <laughs> man. Speaking he of Jason really Tatum, good. he was unbelievable. He might have been my favorite player that I watched in the summer league. You know he didn't make first team all summer league? So disrespectful. How is that even possible? Like who comes? The guy who stuff? did was Josh Jackson, who had a good summer league. But Jason Tatum was like objectively the breakout yeah. star, even more so than Lonzo Ball. And I think Vegas odds for rookie of the year have reflected that. But man, is he smooth, isn't he? He is. Uh, see, Boston is going to give people problems this year because in this whole positionless basketball, um, what is it? It's ball narrative. handler, wing, and big, uh, big right? right? Yeah. So in this positionless brand of basketball, there is. And I'm not Brad Stevens, and nor do I even claim to try to be. But if I was coaching them, I would have segments in the game where I would literally have Isaiah Thomas. I would have Gordon Haywood at the two or whatever. I would have Jason Tatum, and I would have Jalen Brown play like the small power Just forward. Switch and put him, Al Horford, run the break. There. Switch him, run the break. Good luck guarding that because right. it's basically like three wings that are big enough to guard twos and threes, and Jalen Brown's ability to maybe bring out a four. So just look at the Wizards Celtics matchup next year off of this premise. If there is a segment of five minutes where Wall, Beal, Porter, Morris, Gortat are on the floor, now pair them up with Isaiah Thomas, Gordon Haywood, (laughs) Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Al Horford. Uh, Let's go Otto on... Who's he guarding? Let's go Otto on Jalen. Let's go Keith on Tatum. Okay. Uh, Let's go... Beal on, on Hayward, Hayward, I guess. Right. And then Wall on Isaiah. So the There's o- not a perfect fit in there. No. You know, one thing I will say is that the lineup they had where it was Wall, Beal, Otto, and Ubre, and then Keefe at the five. They're small That's lineup. probably what you're yeah. going to have to do because then you could, you'd have more freedom switching and Marquise Morris could, you know, guard his best friend and Al Horford. So right. that would be good. Or his brother. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm still trying right. to wrap my mind around like. It was funny because I asked Kelly Oubre about that, and Brad both were just like, it just took the luster away from the rivalry. I mean, speaking of Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal, you caught up with the Wizards shooting guard in Las Vegas, talked about uh, Jason Tatum, a guy who he's known for a long time, as well as the new deal that James Harden signed. It was a great interview. Let's take a listen. The hatred kind kind of dies down a little bit more because you got like family members and brothers over there. Are you that way too? 
still don't like Boston. I don't like green. It's only one green I like. That's that money. Yeah, I don't like Boston green. No. <laughs> no. What you think of that when you see Keith's brother go there? Is it? You know, I think it's it's gonna make it that much more competitive. I think, and I, and I, I'm I'm not gonna like neither team is a dirty team. We it's not like we we just don't like each other. You know, and I think it's just, it's more of a competitive thing than anything. And I think that's what the league needs. And you know, we we actually we're two good teams compete for the same thing. And two teams on the rise of you know being something special in the East. So you know, the moves that they're making are, are big moves, and they're trying to compete for a championship. And you know, they, I think they're definitely adding fuel to the rivalry. Though I will say that. I'll ask you this to get you out of here on this. So, what do you think? about what your team is doing right now in the summer to try to help you guys improve as a basketball squad oh man it's it's it's, it's, it's been a crazy summer you know but you know our ours I, I don't i don't ever worry about it you know because at the end of the day we have a guy whose whose job is to take care of us and put us in the right position to succeed and you know so we, we leave all that in ernie's hands you know and right now we're in limbo right now auto we only got a few hours left for him so uh it's been it's been it's been busy you know it's been busy you know we made we added tim we added jody uh, two guys I don't I don't know personally, but you know playing against them, you know I think they can help us out a lot. So I'm looking forward to it. it doesn't matter who's on our team, you know who we pick up. Uh, you know we got to go out there and compete and, and do it with maximum effort. I just saw on Twitter you had a reaction to the James Harden extension. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, man, this money is getting a little ridiculous out here, man. Fifty-seven a year. Not bad if you can get it, right? Congratulations, boss. <laughs> Congratulations. But you guys have all worked hard for this. Obviously, the players and the guys before you really worked hard to get to a point where you, you can maximize your talents. You know, and it's amazing to see how far basketball has come. You know, we it's kind of weird because it's like we're taking advantage of all the money and, you know, all, every, all the assets that we have in today's world. But, you know, you definitely got to credit our pioneers, man, you know, all the legends and the great guys who – who came before us, man, because without them, we wouldn't have our opportunity to play. You know, we wouldn't have our opportunity to be able to negotiate a new CBA and things like that. So, you know, we credit those guys, man. And, you know, if we can, as much as we can, we try to do things to give back to those guys and keep them, keep them involved as much as possible. But, you know, from our heart and, you know, I'm from a lot of guys in the league, man, we thank those guys. And, you know, as much as we can, we appreciate the money. But, you know, we love the game. We appreciate what they do for us. And we're going to continue to keep playing hard and continue to evolve the game. You were right about Tatum, but you've always been right about him. I was trying to explain to people about three summers ago when I was at your camp, and I saw this kid who was a rising senior, and I asked you after you guys played pickup, I'm like, oh, who's this guy? Does he play overseas? And you were like, no, he's a rising senior. The kid is pretty good. Yeah, he's he pretty good, man. He's, he's really good. You know, he's... He's six nine. He can play one through five almost, you know. So it's he has all the skill set. I think he's he was the best player in this draft. You know, he's the best scorer by far. Uh, you know, but he still knows he has a long way to go. Get stronger. Uh, but you know, I'm not gonna take it easy on him. You know, you still win that green. At the end of the day, you know, he is a great player. He's gonna continue to be a great player. I wish nothing but health and many years of you know success for him, except for when he play us. Good to see you, buddy. Take care. Have a great summer. Appreciate it. All right, and we're back on the Wizards Tip-Off podcast. I'm Chase Hughes with Chris Miller. And, Chris, the highlight for me of that was definitely the James Harden reaction. That was hilarious. Congratulations, boss. Uh, That was a side of Beal that I feel like we don't see very often uh, because, you know, obviously you know him really well and and you can kind of um, get him to let his personality out a little bit. That was him just, I mean, he couldn't help but laugh. Yeah, it's funny because I I saw his... uh... 
his Twitter reaction before that, before he <laughs> he walked into the building, and of course, I was just, he's um he's an interesting um uh, player, an interesting person too, very religious, very um not shy, but very reserved, and when things like that come out, it's like exciting to see. You know, it's funny. It reminds me of like. This year, every once in a while, you'd see his emotion come out on the court. And it's kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. I remember asking John, like, what's it like to see, you know, Brad scream at the crowd and pump his fist? Because that's, we see that from John right. after every play. I mean, right. the guy wears his emotions on his sleeve. But you're right, Bradley Beal, it comes out. And when it does, it's, it's interesting to see and fun well, to watch. He, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I don't know if we were in New York, we were somewhere, and he came up with, uh, no, we were home. It was, bef- it was in the playoffs. And he said, that's angry Brad. There's like an angry Brad. So it's like he's <laughs> these multiple personalities. You know, there's the cool, calm, collected Brad. And then there's like angry Brad. And then there's like playoff Beal. Or there's Big Panda. Or there's what I call Blue Magic. I love the alter three is working. I love the alter egos, Yeah. by the way. Uh, Denard Spann, um, one of the best people I've ever covered, used to be the center fielder for the, mm-hmm. the Nationals. Um, set all sorts of records while he was here. Just a fantastic dude. Uh, he had a hilarious uh, alter ego system where he, he'd be Stefan and Urkel. He said his friends would tell him all that time. He'd be like, when it's Stefan, he's like, that's the one who talks to the ladies. Got <laughs> <laughs> Urkel talked to the ladies too. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. But it, you know, th- we were talking about like just Brad's personality and like John's, and I think that's why it's working with those two because they're they're like different, but they're the same. I mean, they have the same goal. They have the same, you know, what drives them is the same. It's just kind of like their approaches are different. Mm -hmm. But it is kind of like a yin and yang thing. Like, you are right. I mean, John waking up in the morning is probably chest bumping somebody or screaming. (laughs) I I mean, his emotions are like out there. Where Brad's a little more stoic, a little more reserved, and it works. You know, you can kind of see it in their Instagram profiles. I just yeah. followed all these guys because I realized after a year on the beat, I was like, the NBA is a little bit different than baseball. Not that baseball, they don't use their Instagram. Those guys do. But basketball, that's like their medium, social media, um, in, in terms of social media. And John is posting pictures all the time of him with his cars, him working out, him with the shades on, of course. Brad will give you a Bible verse. And Brad is just completely <laughs> different. Yeah, yeah. But I think Brad might have posted something today, and it was him with his family and, you know, earlier th- – in, in in June, you know, he celebrated his birthday. Uh, it's just a different style, and it's funny. And, and Otto Porter is uh, all about his cars, man. All about his cars. And hip-hop. I, I give him um, a lot of credit. Uh, this year, more than any, Otto and I really kind of connected from a musical standpoint, where we were talking on the road about, you know, like J. Cole. He's huge into J. Cole. I'm a huge J. Cole fan, just because J. Cole's North Carolina, North Carolina, right? Yeah. So, you know, shout-out to J. Cole. But Otto and I would, like, talk about like the verses and like what what did he mean there and huh. like Otto's a very interesting interesting person where he's a lot of these guys are I think more than not fans just look at them as basketball players there's so much more than that oh, they, yeah. they are very uh, very smart very smart knows a lot more than just pick and roll concept right I mean but Otto is very he, Otto's into his cars and he's got some pretty cool cars but he's also into music. Yeah, the and old cars. Like that, he likes restoring old cars. And I kind of felt like that connection this year where we kind of talked a lot about, you know, you know, hip-hop today, 
uh, I'm an old head, so I'm like, ah, you, way back in my day, we had so, Run DMC, you know. So man. you into trap music at all? Not at all. Not at like, all. I listen to it, and I'm just like, that sounds just like the third song on on his album. Or, <laughs> wow, that sounds like track number seven. You know, John loves him some trap music. Yes. I mean, some of this music today, see, see we're, gonna, we're going off on the deep end, Chase. Let's but, do it. Some of this music today is just like, what did he say? What? What was that? I don't understand. Um, you know, the trap music does not does it not all sound the same? Same beat, talking about the same thing. There are yeah, it's a genre, so there's some similarities. <laughs> but I have to say, you know, you may not think it because I'm a white dude from the suburbs no, of Virginia. See, I don't, but, I don't, I don't put labels on people. <laughs> no, but all I listen to is trap music. Really? Believe it or not, yeah, because I in high school was really into uh, Bone Thugs for my group. And NWA. So I, lo- I always love gangster rap. Okay. But then I, w- I lived five years in South Carolina, and that's all they listened to. So, so 3 Six Mafia became my favorite group of all time. Believe it or not, 3 Six Mafia. I can quote it all. I can tell you all the songs. So nowadays, I love Travis Scott. Um, I like Future a lot. I like ASAP Rocky. Um, Con- I, I love Kanye. I don't know. Shout do, out do to Wall Way. You like Wall like Way? Wall Way? I haven't heard that yet. I know, it's, I know it's his cousin. Yeah. yeah. I need yeah. to listen to it so I can... You know, maybe reference it in front of John and impress him a little bit. But so you're not into any of the trap music at all, huh? No. Uh, although I find Jay Bill is hilarious on Twitter, where he quotes, uh, he quotes Jeezy, right? He, he quotes Jeezy. I love me some young Jeezy every day. Yeah, he quotes him in his tweets every day, and then at the end, I think he says, "Got to go to work." So it's a, uh, but no. Wiz Khalifa might be my favorite guy right now. No, I tell you, Travis Scott. I tell you who I'm bumping right now. I think uh, obviously shout out to Hove. 444 is amazing. The last song on that is my favorite, Legacy. Because I think now I'm at a point in my life now where I'm thinking about like, you know, my legacy and, and you know, Team Miller and like yeah. what, what 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 it all means. And like Jay really put it down there on Legacy of just about how like all of his hard work is now going to be given to his family and and let his, you know, his sister and her her son and his kids can now all benefit from his hard work. So that was kind of like, that's cool. But I'll always go back to, I'll bump some Tribe, you know, LL, you know, Run, uh, Sugar Hill Gang. Like all the old school hip hop still sounds good to me. I like me some old school hip hop, but I love that new stuff. That even even the auto-tune, man, oh, I can't, I can't get enough of it. Uh, you know, I know they stick to the same script. They, uh, you know, they tell you, you know, basically how much more women they're going to get you, how they're going to kill you and all those sort of oh, things and, and rap about money and cars. But I love it, man. Even though it's not relatable to me at all. I don't I don't make enough money to drive. The... <laughs> I like how you put that out there. That has, it has nothing to do with me, but I'm down with but it. But while we're on the subject, please tell me you've heard of the Defiant Ones. You know what that is? The Defiant Ones. I, I hadn't heard about it until three days ago. It's unbelievable. Wait, it's, is that the documentary that's on HBO? Yeah. Saw it already. You saw it already? Amazing. Yeah, incredible. But you know what it is? What's that? It's a commercial for Dre Beats. Yeah, the that's true. By the end, yeah, like, gets, by the end yeah, of it, it's right. like, and I had Dre Beats, but I'm Is it really not down. new, Defiant Ones? Am I behind the times I don't know. Here? Somebody told me about it like a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. It. So you so, watch, okay. Yeah, it's but, so well done, though. The but way, it's such a commercial for Bose. And, yeah, I mean, not Bose, true. but for Dre Beats, but I'm a Bose guy now. I yeah. literally switched because of the noise canceling. 
Yeah. I really appreciate noise canceling, especially when you're on a plane and you don't want to hear that kid crying. Right. Especially when you're in the office, you don't want people bothering you. Right, but uh, like Defiant was, they're talking about, yeah. who wants noise canceling? You want to hear the beat? Well, you can still hear it in, in Bose. So right. was like, oh, this... Bose has some good stuff. And they, sure. When they came out with these wireless noise canceling, and this is not a you know a commercial for them, but it's pretty impressive. But the Defiant ones was really good just to see just the evolution Jimmy of Jimmy Eovine, I mean, yeah. I think that's how you pronounce it. His uh, rise is a producer. It was unbelievable. I but mean, the marketing part of it was really smart. You could learn a lot from it. Just in, I mean, in, you could apply it to anything. When really. they said put put the Dre beats on every athlete, every celebrity, and have them tweet it out, that's free marketing. Right, it didn't cost you anything. Right, use all of their followers to see this is it the was new brilliant. cool thing. Although the NFL was like, uh uh-uh. uh. Right. We're sponsoring, uh, we have a partnership with Bose. <laughs> but, you know, you pay sure fine, enough, the, whatever. The, the No Fun League would figure out a way right. to circumvent that. Right. But, yeah, man, uh, that made those guys a good amount of money. It did. Good amount of money. First, oh, first shout out to Kendrick, rapper. too. I mean, what do you oh, think? Oh, I love Kendrick. Kendrick is good. I'm just looking at, like, my, my, uh, my playlist now. Yeah, remember so. I told you I saw him in concert uh, before he before got Before he became famous. Kendrick. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. All right, so I want to end this on, uh, speaking of rappers, I had a funny reaction um, to the tweet of my story today. I, I wrote a feature on Markeith Morris and Dolph Sand, who's an assistant to the PR department. He's been with the Wizards organization for 45 years. More like 100. More ahead. like 100, yeah. So he's a retired lawyer. He joined the franchise when he was 30 years old. He's now 75. He's got a championship ring. He's seen everyone who's anyone with the Wizards and Bullets come through those doors. But he's developed kind of a special relationship with Markeith Morris. And the reason why I say rappers is because I tweeted Dolph and Keith and had a few people um, point out to me. And this was unintended, even though I know who Young Dolph and, and Chief Keith are. But those guys do mixtapes all the time, Young Dolph and Chief Keith. So people were like, oh, I thought this was a new trap song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then they saw the picture uh, of Dolph, who's 75 years old, and realized that wasn't the case. But Knowing Dolph, he might... He might... He might be like he a might. closet trap music. Guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, he might get down with it. And um, when you talk about like knows everybody. That dude knows everybody. Who does he, the question is, who does he not know? Right. That that's the one because he knows everybody in the league. It was a fun story to write. He's got so much knowledge about the organization. He uh, was at the scorers table calling in scores in 1987 when Manute Bowl uh, had 15 blocks and set an NBA record. Um, I, I mentioned the championship run, the four finals. He was there for those. Um, all the playoff appearances in between. And in Markeith Morris, this was just kind of a testimonial through his eyes and through Keith's eyes and through their relationship, how Markeith Morris has just really fit in well with this organization. John loves him. Brad loves him. Um, Ubre, some of these guys would ride or die with, with Markeith Morris. He's the type of guy you'd want on your side. And I think that was probably evident in the way he, he plays and and – even in his reputation as an NBA enforcer, but he's really fit in in other regards with this organization, and I think it probably goes against what a lot of people thought about him before they traded for him. Well, he really grew on me. I I mean, I I liked him before, have a lot of respect for him because he keeps it, as the kids say, 100. Like, oh, he doesn't fake you anything. Don't have to, you don't have to like wonder like what he's thinking. Television he, cameras can be yeah. there. It does not matter. He's what we call in the business microphone gold because he just <laughs> yeah. says literally what's on his mind. It might be a subsequent fine coming from the league afterwards, but what he did in the Celtic series in terms of literally playing on one leg said everything you needed to know about him because Chase, after game one, 
when he sprained his, and it wasn't just a sprained ankle. His ankle looked awful. And I mean black and blue, swollen like a grapefruit. And I know what he did to get himself ready to play in those games. To me, that's invaluable. Because if a man can go out there one-legged in an ass-kicking contest and do what he did and still talk junk to Al Horford and still produce on one leg, he is a ride-or-die guy. So no question. Um, the way he came out in that next game was might, amazing. Like, John and Brad are the best. He might be the heart and soul of this team. He might be the team's conscience. Because if anything pops off, it's him and Flav. Right. <laughs> And if you don't know who Flav is, <laughs> Flav's a big dude. Flav is uh He's Suge Knight in the Death Row TC, yeah. right? So that's all you need to know about him. Speaking it, of the defiant if ones. Anything is going to pop off. Those two guys will be there front and center, ready to set it off in there. Because there is a ride or die mentality to them, loyal to the soil, uh, family over everything. These are all of these slogans. But it's it's not just catchphrase, it's like real to him. So he's a bad man, dude. And the fact that they got him on pennies to the dollars, uh, they got a gift. They got a gift with with the trade with, with Phoenix. He played the best basketball of his career this past season, and I think his ceiling isn't quite tapped into. It's not tapped out. Mm-hmm. And we all know that John Wall and Bradley Beal could continue improving, but they're also they're already very good. Right. Otto Porter basically has to improve to justify this contract, and there's no reason to think he won't. I think Keith is kind of an X factor there, and I would include Kelly Oubre. We all know that he should improve. He's got a high ceiling. I think people undersell the fact that Markeith Morris could get better, and if he does, completely transform the outlook of this team. Well, he knows, and John knows that. They're dogs, they're alphas, and they really complement one another, not only on the court but off the court in terms of their personality. And you've got to keep players like that because if you're trying to build something special, and Chase, I've kind of had this epiphany the last couple of days about what the Wizards are doing because of the situation in Cleveland. I feel like I finally get it. I think... And I, no one's told me this, but it makes sense that bringing the band back together makes more sense than bringing in a big name. And here's why. Continuity-wise, everyone's going to go into Richmond knowing their role. You've got another year with a coach that clearly is worth every penny in terms of his motivation, in terms of his development, in terms of his communicating skills. So now you've got your two best players coming off of career years that are motivated to do better. And you've got a guy in Otto that is is consistent. He, You know what you're going to get. And that's not a bad thing. Markeith is going to be there. The thing with Gortat and John has to be corrected in terms of the defensive t- communication and, and what they want. But still, it's a, it's a, it's a basketball marriage that's made for bickering back and forth, but at the end of the day, realizing that they're really good for one another. And they feel like they've improved their bench. This is a 49-win team that won their division. So if there's no injuries, let's just, in which it's hard to you know forecast that, they probably feel like 
we're one of the top three teams in the East. And if Cleveland starts going down a road of, well, this might be the last year. This is the last dance. Washington is right there. Or if Kyrie or Kevin Love get injured because those guys have detailed injury histories. Then they're, they're right there. They're very close to being right there. Yeah. So it, 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 was, uh, it wasn't like I was in my sleep and woke up like, oh, I got it. It was like, okay, well, <laughs> it, it makes sense to see why they brought the band back together because they had, we were all frustrated after game seven. Just mm-hmm. like, oh, why couldn't they? Just... But when you take a step back a couple of weeks and you see some of the people that they're bringing in, okay, they fit needs. Can Tim get us in our sets? Can Jody stay healthy and hit shots? Take some of the stress off of John and Brad. Uh, it makes sense that bringing the band back together, they feel like that they're right there. And I read uh, an article that, that somewhat changed my mind a little bit about the Otto Porter situation, at least long term, in terms of obviously by signing him to this deal right now, they don't have very much financial flexibility down the road. But you can't forget what we saw this offseason. And the point was made by Andrew Sharp of Sports Illustrated, who's a huge Wizards guy, Wizards fan, always makes um, you know, some smart observations. He said, look, Otto Porter's getting this deal now, but as long as he plays well, that's, that remains an asset on your roster that could turn into something bigger than you think. You look at this offseason, what Victor Oladipo got the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm not saying that the plan should be to trade Otto Porter, but if he, can, if he has a year like he did last year, and once that one-year window of you, of you not being able to trade him um, goes away, then you have an asset on your roster that, that if, you're, if it gets stale and you want to trade somebody, he remains someone who could get you something. And, and it's one less year, so it's really then three years. Right. Victor Oladipo netted a superstar, essentially. Zach Levine and Chris Dunn netted a superstar. So by holding on to these assets... It doesn't mean that you don't have flexibility moving forward because as much as his money looks like uh, an albatross at this point, he's the highest paid player, not only on the Wizards, but in town, which is incredible. It doesn't mean that you can't then trade him for another team because as you saw when he hit the market as a restricted free agent, there was interest in paying him that money. You're not the only team that's going to pay him that money. The flexibility remains there as long as he doesn't get hurt and continues to play better. And if he continues to get better, then either way, it's a win-win situation. Well, you're playing with somebody that it's in his best interest to make him look good now. Right. See, if John decides to wait another year to get that full max, it would behoove him to make sure everybody around him looks good and get farther in the playoffs. That's the, still the goal. The Still the right. goal is... I don't know how many times I have to say this, but it's this guy really thinks that he can bring a championship to DC. It's like a, it's not like oh it'd be nice and it's just like something that you just say in a press conference. Man, he feels like he's good enough to be that guy, and look what it what it would do for this town. Oh man, I mean I still I, I mean I, I mean just a, I, I get the whole Redskins thing, but this is I I'm sorry I see grassroots basketball. Every week, because my son plays AAU, I see it. This is a basketball-rich community. And if the best basketball team in our community is going well, think about what that 16-game home winning streak was like. Remember, 17, like, but yeah. 17, but, but yeah. think about like how, how cool it was 
to be in the arena. Right. And they kept winning. Right. Think about those playoff games, man. It was a fun season. If they can keep that fun rolling, then it's going to be hard to argue against them keeping the band together. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, we'll talk to Otto Porter at a press conference on Wednesday. Uh, I'm about to go out of town. Go I'm going to gonna ask him a little about bit, that so trap music, too. Ask him about I, trap music? I don't know if he listens. You need to ask him about cars. I wonder what he bumps in those old school muscle Dude, cars that he nice, restores. He's got, yeah, he's nice got wheels. He's got a nice... And he's going to get even nicer wheels. Yeah, he's, he's gonna, his garage is going to get a little bit bigger. He might need to buy some uh, new space to store all those cars. He's going to be like Jay Leno before we know it with yeah. like 300 old Porsches or something like that. Or Jerry Seinfeld. You can afford it. Right, right. Uh, well, yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode. But once again, thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Wizards Tip-Off Podcast. <laughs>